there. I'm Kimberly Hayes. They move. And I'm Amanda Day. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to season two of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever-evolving world of grants, development, and even fundraising. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, Kimberly and I are Southern girls. You got that right. Y'all happens. It does. This podcast is brought to you by Season 2 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, and grant mock review. Visit their website, www.dhleonardconsulting.com, to learn more. So this season, we have had some heavy... But very necessary discussion, okay, including some great guest interviews. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know how sometimes, Kimberly, after you've read a really heavy book, it'll cover a deep subject and it just leaves you pondering your own existence, right? Mm. After that, sometimes it's nice to have a lighter read next, kind of a palate cleanser, if you will. Or maybe just a binge watch on Netflix of your favorite British property shows. Ask (laughs) me how I know. That could work too. Mm -hmm. So so because of this, we're going to have a little palate cleanser of our own in this episode, right? A little sorbet for the soul. Yes, because we're talking about some OG management tools. And my friends, what Amanda means by that is some original grant management tools. So lest you think we're appropriating slang, although if we know it's slang, it's too late. It's not cool anymore. (laughs) Abandon hope. So we're saying original grant management tools, as in tools to keep up with productivity that don't necessarily require tech or a big budget. Because while there are many incredible systems, databases, and apps for all things grant-related, or even just productivity in general... Those are not the only tools of the trade, my friends. No. no, they're not, my friend. So today we're going to invite you to just sit back, relax, and check out some of the oldie but goodie tools Kimberly and I have been using since the dawn of time. <laughs> it makes me sad, but it's true. Old <laughs> okay. as dirt stuff, folks. <laughs> well, more like the beginning of our grant careers, but sometimes <laughs> Again. it feels like it's the same thing. <laughs> yep, yep. Now, before we jump into those tools, I just want to share a couple of things. Um, When I first started talking about this topic um, with some other grant professionals, um, one of the things that came up is the fact that while technology is great, it's not always the best thing ever. And so we were doing some research to try to figure out, you know, other people that maybe agree with the things we're talking about and have a few quotes and um, studies that kind of prove the point here. Because y'all know Amanda is the quote queen. I do like me a good quote. Speak on. First up, we have a quote from Daniel J. Borston, who served as the American historian at the University of Chicago. And before that, um, he was the librarian of the United States Congress from 1975 to 1987. So I'd say he knows a thing or two about books and words and tech. He was a total underachiever, which is why we're holding him up here. No, I'm, I'm kidding. So this is what he says. Technology is so much fun, but we can drown in our technology. The fog of information can drown out knowledge. I'm silently snapping my fingers here. That's awesome. Okay. We also have a quote from Robin S. Sharma, who is a Canadian author, speaker, leadership 
expert and a former litigation lawyer. She says cell phones, mobile email, and all the other cool and slick gadgets can cause massive losses in our creative output and overall productivity. I'm sorry, what did you say? I was checking my... No, just kidding. <laughs> Which is how distracting can social media... Sometimes I almost need to put my phone in another room mm. when I'm under deadline because it is... How easy is that to be like, oh, my phone dinged. What? what who said Oh, let me, me look what? at that. Or let me I mean, research that. Oh. And then four hours later... <laughs> um, we also hear from Jonathan Sachs, who is a British rabbi, philosopher, and scholar of Judaism. In fact, he was the chief rabbi of the United Hebrew Congregations of the Commonwealth from 1991 to 2013. He says, technology gives us power, but it does not and cannot tell us how to use that power. Thanks to technology, we can instantly communicate across the world, but it still doesn't help us know what to say. And also from Spider-Man to Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) Just want to throw that in there. Sorry. And then last but not least, in an article in Guardian Magazine... Okay, across three experiments in 2013, researchers Pam Muller and Daniel Oppenheimer compared the effectiveness of students taking longhand notes versus typing onto laptops. Their conclusion, the relative slowness of writing by hand demands heavier mental lifting, forcing students to summarize rather than to quote verbatim, in turn tending to increase conceptual understanding, application, and retention. So there's something to be said sometimes for some of the old school, low tech methods of learning and working and all those sorts of things. So now could I have equally found all kinds of quotes to talk about the beauty and brilliance of technology and how it makes you work faster? Sure. Especially um, by the people who build and sell that technology. (laughs) So but just wanted something to say that this isn't just some random thing we're talking about. There really is some beauty and some validity behind sometimes doing some things in an older school method. And especially, I don't know about you, Kimberly, but like I... There were certainly computers around when I was in high school and college. There wasn't one in every household. There wasn't most of my work was done longhand. And then maybe that final copy would be typed up to turn in. But it wasn't something I used all the time in the work I was doing in school days. So I I kind of have that background of doing more of a written longhand thing, right? Yes. And as we go back to the dawn of time... (laughs) Um, our sound engineer, by the way, loves it when we, we do this. So, Ryan, that was for you. Um, I actually learned to type actually on a typewriter. Me too. Okay, that makes me feel better. But Can you still hear your teacher? G-space! Yeah. R-space! Yeah. 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 And, and, and it, so it was a different way of keying maybe than people might do today who are learning because I have a heavy hand on the keyboard, but I also ever since I could write when I am was sitting in a class or even now if I'm talking with a client, even if we're on a phone meeting or a Skype call, I'm listening and I'm looking down, I'm looking up and I'm taking physical notes Same. because there is something for me, um, just like this study a few years ago about summarizing rather than quoting and something about the physical action of writing it somehow gets it into my brain uh, in a faster and deeper way than than keying. Although I key all the time, I write all my grants. Yes, and same. the fiction that I write, I tend to really all all focus solely on keying things in. 
Although sometimes when I'm stuck, I may try and draft something longhand. But yeah, it's good to go. There, there are times when all of these things, old and new technologies, serve us well. But we just, you know, wanted to take a minute to honor that all that old school stuff because I think it's really easy to get lost in the sea of new apps and new productivity apps and this will make this and this will do that. And um, sometimes that's great. Sometimes it can be a distraction or sometimes it just adds unnecessary complexity. So, well, and I even, um, one of our uh, trainings for Grant Writing USA that you and I trained for, I I was just in Buffalo at the University of Buffalo. Mm. um, And one of the librarians that was sitting in the class, she was knitting the whole time I was teaching. And I was talking to her on one of the breaks because I've seen other people do that at conferences before. And I, so I was like, hey, I've always wondered about this. It's just, you know, why and what is this doing for you sort of thing because I know she's clearly paying attention Mm -hmm. every time I look her way she's sitting up she's looking at me she's nodding to things that she agrees with Um, and she said you know I'm just she's like I'm an antsy person and Mm -hmm. I cannot sit I'm not going to hear anything you're saying because I'm going to be so antsy but if I'm doing things She's like, I'm going to retain so much more of what you're telling me because I'm my hands are staying busy. There, yeah, something um, about that action of your hands and your brain. Yeah, I, I, someone tried to teach me how to crochet when I was like in the fifth grade, and I was left-handed, and um, I'm still left-handed, and um, so they were right-handed, and it just didn't take quite right. So I had this long chain. That's all I learned how to do was this chain crochet. I mean, it looked like a a giant anemic. <laughs> Scarf? emaciated snake. <laughs> you know, it was just a single row. And yeah. so I was, you know, anyway, but I have seen people knit in class. In fact, one of the agencies where I work, the CFO would come into director's meetings or longer meetings and she would knit. And she said the same thing. And she was always super engaged. Yeah. And she said it was a calming focus thing. And then you and I used a similar handheld old school technology when we did a, a workshop recently at the city of Roswell and it was just a half day or so talking about some basic topics. And I went to the, the, um, Dollar Tree dollar store and got tiny little, um, jars of Play-Doh and stuck them out there because I had been to a training once where there were, it was one of those all day, two or three day work trainings about how to be more whatever. And it was just, it was kind of painful. It's hard to sit all day long. And so the instructor said he had slinkies and all this stuff. And we were like, oh, oh, oh. I remember when I was sitting down, I'm like, who would do that? That is so stupid. Oh, girl. At the end of two <laughs> hours, I was like, give me that Play-Doh. And I was just making shapes, but I could, it really helped me listen and focus. And man, the class we taught with the Play-Doh, some people made some really creative it was really amazing and things. We were impressed by their skills. And everyone seemed to be engaged and no one nodded off that I saw. No. So it it just could be a way forward. So Play-Doh old school could be considered an office supply in this sense. I think so. So um, some other things that I'm not alone in this as a grant professional or a development director or as a fundraiser. I am straight up obsessed with different kinds of office supplies. And Same. actually, now this started a long time ago. I don't know if what came first, if you're like, if you're obsessed with notebooks and pencils and pens and binders and, and uh, notebooks, uh, that then you are drawn to the grants field or does the grant and fundraising world force you to love all those yeah, things? I don't know, chicken or egg, man. I, I just don't even know. <laughs> but um, 
Because let me tell you, you're in a room with a bunch of grant people and you're like, dang it, I wish I had a Sharpie. You'll have about 20 of oh, them thrown at you in two seconds. Hurl that Every you. color, every size Speed you of want. light. <laughs> Speed of light. So, you know, even things or even color coding things. Uh, we have an episode this season uh, talking about Scrum with our season yes. two sponsor. D.H. Leonard Consulting, shout out. And they, um, Diane uh, Leonard is the head of that, but her team, they use color-coded Post-it notes to actually put physical notes on a physical whiteboard to track. And there are other ways that they track, and you'll hear about that in that episode. But just sometimes having color-coded things, color-coded folders, pens, highlighters, and Sharpies, Stickers and dear God, a label maker. We, <laughs> I just, I don't even know what overcame me. Um, how long ago was this? It was maybe about 10 years ago. Uh, my husband and I got a personal label maker for the home, and it was just like now, I mean, it got crazy. Is everything it's like, labeled washing machine. <laughs> your bedroom, <laughs> our garage. No, it's just, yeah, no, it's, it was a little, I kind of felt like I, I kind of went over the edge on that. But there's so many moving pieces and parts to getting funds, major donors, writing grants, events, all of these things. And the more organized you can be, mm-hmm. sometimes the, the more in control you feel. And it's yes. almost a stress. It's almost a managing stress. You know what's funny? Speaking of being organized and managing stress and label makers, um, when I work someplace full time, I, you know, I've got my binders for every grant. Oh, yes, girl. And I've got stickers on the front of it. One day down the spine and one on the front that labels, you know, what what the project is, what the grant is, who the funder is, mm-hmm. and just some basic information about that. So anybody can find what they're looking for on my shelf with all kinds of things, right? Well, when I was on maternity leave, um, one of the admin assistants who kind of stood in my stead during those three mm-hmm. months to mm-hmm. make sure nothing got missed, mm-hmm. I knew she already had a full-time job. So I had given her basically a checklist of, first of all, here's every grant we have, here's our main contact and our internal project manager, just in case something comes awry, you know who to talk to. But also like, these are the reports and things that are due in my absence. And I'm like, unless the funder calls and asks about anything else, don't worry about it because I know you already have a full-time job. So I just need you to bare minimum yeah. and get me through. Yep. Okay. And well, she was such an organized person. My handwritten sticker labels, I guess, drove her crazy. She re- mm. she redid all of them so that they were typed and printed and even much prettier, which if she wanted to do that, hey, sure. Knock yourself uh, out. So I just thought that was funny that she was like, I just like, I was organized, but clearly not enough. She was like next level. Yeah. yeah. She made me look calm. <laughs> yeah. I And you can maybe take it to the extreme doing this, but... I would just say whatever, if there, there are all sorts of old school office supplies out there that are in different colors or, or shapes or anything that could, that could help you just consider that. And you don't have to spend a ton of money. Again, your friend could be Dollar Tree or another dollar store to get some low key things to get you started. What else did I leave out of that? I think just anything that just is fun too. That kind of, we got to find the fun where we can sometimes and the drudgery of grant management, especially. This just took me back to (gasps) right before when I would start school and, you know, buying school supplies, which we're in that phase of my family now. that. And I uh, went to public schools, and so there was no uniform at at the time. And so then there was the I was fortunate enough to live in a family that with a family we we were fortunate enough to be able to um, take back to school us clothes. shopping for back to school clothes. So I just remember the whole fashion moment 
of doing that and all the shiny new school supplies, every, all the pencils and the little erasers and everything. Yeah, oh, it's just, yes. just, I'm just feeling memories right now. Mm. Oh, it's okay. beautiful. Go ahead. So another um, kind of old school thing is personal touches when mm-hmm. it comes to your grant work. And what I'm talking about here are things like the handwritten note, you know. So when you get an award from a funder, you know, it would be so nice to sit down and take a few minutes and write it out as a, you know, thank you and how much it means to you. I even know some folks who even if their application is denied will still mm-hmm. write a handwritten note saying, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Hope to work with you again in the future and you know, we appreciate the the funding you do even if we didn't get it, you're doing such great things across the communities. And even if it leads to nothing, it took you 10 minutes to do that. It's just such a nice thing. But a lot of people say you'd be surprised because so few people do it. Although maybe that's going to step up now that we're throwing this out as a suggestion. Well, I mean, or um, I know you had mentioned phone calls. If you yes. if you if your writing is atrocious and you are an introvert and you want to thank someone, just call after business hours and leave a message in their <laughs> voicemail. I do. I had used to do that. It's like, oh, thank you so much for the funding. This means so much. We're going to send out a thank you letter to you soon, but I just wanted to let you know how thrilled we are, and we're looking forward to working with you, blah, 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 end scene. And yeah. there you are. And I think, too, you want to have that personal relationship with your funder and there's, that's the way to do it. And most, you know, funders will tell you, you know, they're probably going to be more apt to step up to those fundees that they actually know a little bit better, you know, kind of go the extra mile for. So having those, obviously you're not calling and annoying them on a daily basis, but you know, thanking them for things and, or you're not, you're not following them into the bathroom. Like if you listen to our uh, (laughs) podcast episodes, our interviews with Edgar Villanueva, he actually, as a program officer, he was actually followed into the restroom. So there's the reaching out and saying hello, or there's the, gosh, that's way too much invasion of my personal space. Back please off. Please no, please Dude. no. Dude. Yes. Um, and then one other personal touch is, you know, we've talked repeatedly about how as you, you may be the only person that has grant writer or grant administrator in your title. But that does not mean you are the only person involved in grants. It is a team effort. You need program people. You need finance people. Mm -hmm. You need sometimes bosses and boards to get involved and give you different information, community members. Um, And so I have found, and I think Kimberly too, that sometimes the best way to get that information is not just an impersonal, hey, I'm emailing you. Can you send me X, Y, and Z? But instead, setting up a time to sit and talk to people and talk about what you need and why you need it and just having conversation and maybe taking notes to get the information. So sometimes that kind of an interview style, even mm-hmm. though they're with coworkers, mm-hmm. um, is a great way to get your job done. And it doesn't cost anything but your time. And it's definitely um, an old school way of reaching out. And it may not always work. If you're a consultant and your clients are all over the country, Maybe it's a video call or something like that. It, it also takes me back to thinking about building the relationship with foundations. I'm not in favor of treating foundations as ATM machines. There's a lot they can do to change the sector in positive ways. And there's, there's some things that we can do as grant seekers and as fundraisers. And I think it works also internally. If you understand what is going on with your coworkers or how they work or even how they like to receive communication. Yes. And you're not going to understand that until you get to know them. And with the grant is due at five o'clock and you're starting all this at three, 
that's not optimal. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it happens to all of us, but building that in ahead of time, asking, taking that moment, it's great in person or even phone call or however it works just to say, Hey, how, how what's the best time? How do you like to work? You know, I'm going to be asking a lot of specific questions about finance or about the way your program runs. How about a checklist? How yeah. about some other things? What works best for you? Do you want to look at hard copies of things? I can make that happen. So, mm-hmm. um, One other comment about a phone call. I just remembered I've taught this topic um, before at workshops and roundtable discussions. And I think one of the funniest responses I've gotten from an audience member about old school methods, um, there was um, a sweet little old lady sitting on the front row. And when we kind of had share time about, you know, what did I not cover here? She raised her hand and she said, you know, I really feel like I sometimes have my most brilliant ideas probably after 10 o'clock at night. Okay. And she goes, and if I think it and don't put it somewhere, I'm going to forget it. So she goes, even instead of writing it down, she goes, I just call my office, my, my personal office voicemail. And I'll say, Hey, Amanda, it's Amanda. You're looking awfully cute. Yeah got an idea, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So she goes that way the next morning I get to hear it. And she goes, and I will tell you sometimes they are brilliant and it's great that I remembered it because now I can try to implement it. And sometimes you realize ideas after 10 o'clock really in the light of day are not so pretty, but that's okay because you've not told anybody else but yourself. Um, But the cutest thing of it all, she goes, and I always end every phone call with Amanda, you are doing a fabulous job. You're the best grant writer out there. She said, because oh. nobody else tells me. So by gosh, I'm going to tell myself. I love that. And I hate that, I hate that she's in that situation, but I love that she had the confidence to be like, well, heck, if no one's going to tell me. That's some good self-care right there. It really there. is. So That also sort of leads me into the point about getting those listicles and lists because we're so accustomed to working in lists, right? The Mm -hmm. top 10 ways you can change your laundry room or five ways to teach your dog not to make a mess in the house, whatever it is. And I have no idea whether there's an, I don't have a dog (laughs) and I'm not remodeling. I'm just saying. So what the, the story of the lady who was sharing that she called herself is sort of a way to tap all the little details out of your brain and put them in a place where you can go back and look at them later. So I've done traditional to-do lists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my most OG moments, then I do those lists and I do them um, with my with a nice pen and a notebook and I cross stuff off uh, and oh. I feel like a boss while I'm doing it. And do you sometimes add things to your list you've already done just so you can cross something off? Yeah, if that was that game where we hold up the little have you ever, yes. I'd be holding up the yes, I have, damn it, and I'm not even going to apologize for that. <laughs> um, yeah, I sometimes I add things just to cross them off. I am trying desperately to remember the name of this book that has been so helpful to me, but I believe it's David Allen's Getting Things Done. Okay. And it was the premise that really sucked me into it. It was like, hey... Get all the to-do lists out of your brain and into whatever format works for you, whether it's a paper list, whether it's monthly, um, weekly or daily. The idea is that you have everything out and it's not yet even organized by work or home. You just get it out there, look at it, have your freak out moment because there's just a lot of crap (laughs) out there that you got to get done. But then sort of organize, and I'm not going to go into all the details. It's a good book. You should check it out. But his whole premise was get it out of your brain because your brain is not built 
for holding things. It's built for having ideas and processing and mm-hmm. moving you forward. And it's not necessarily like a repository. Like that's kind of a depressing thing. If you think about you want to stuff all this stuff in your brain and it's like that Indiana Jones movie, you know, where he's, it, it's the first one, Indiana Jones. And the Raiders of the Lost, of the Lost Ark. Ark. Where the Ark of the Covenant is being carried back into that government warehouse at the end and they're never going to find it again. Yes. I don't want that to be my brain. <laughs> I just don't want that to be my brain. And I think sometimes with... Um, fundraising, grant writing, or just living your life, all the to-dos come at you hard and fast. And I have found making lists, but structuring them in a way and crossing them off is a way to also um, eliminate stress. And while I haven't called myself in a long time, I think maybe I will. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we in the send future, emails to ourselves. I, That's oh, more, probably more I was on a current. plane. I was on a flight once, and, and I was just like so stressed out about all these things coming up, and we were just sitting there. You know, and it was that moment, because we fly out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. There's this moment where you have to basically go into Alabama and back to get on the runway, and it takes <laughs> a long time, and then you're just stacked up and waiting to take off, and you begin to have profound thoughts about your mortality and or if you're not you're like please can we just go can we just go can we just go because you can't see what's going on and um you're cleared for takeoff and or whatever you're doing and i pulled out my phone and i sent the i think i showed it to you that super long email there were like 50 items and i just kept i just kept my little thumbs were just like um keying it all in and then when i landed I, you know, got to my destination and later that evening I was able to pull it up and I, I transferred it to the where I usually keep my to-do list. But sometimes you just need, for me, that stress relief of making an old school list and getting it out of your brain and getting it on paper and then dealing with it. Yeah. And we've um, talked about in different episodes too, we've mentioned Scrum as um more of a productivity tool. There are lots of ways you can do that. That's another episode. But one of the things that they use, which cracked me up when I first read about it, um, something that came out of software development. You know, you would think there are a bunch of super expensive office buildings filled with uh, mainly young white dudes and hoodies and super expensive <laughs> jeans, if I may just generalize. Um, you know, in this room coming up with all this elaborate planning and it's all done by chips implanted in their, like, brains and their arms. <laughs> and, no, this d- color-coded uh, Post-it notes and a giant whiteboard that has just been a game changer for many of our colleagues. But you can also do virtual whiteboards if you don't have a place big enough to accommodate it. But those are some very old school kinds of supplies that keep big consultancies and huge software firms humming. And that's just amazing to me. Well, and it doesn't even have to be just for Scrum. I used to, when I were employed full-time at a place, That's I do have one of those ginormous whiteboards. You show me that picture yes. once. It was a little scary. It, and it's I usually keep it the left side is all of my grant applications that I know are coming up with the deadline. Um, and not, I mean, that's all it is, is the deadline. But having that right in front of my face means I never miss it. Mm. Um, and then on the right-hand side, I had a list of every grant that we, are, we actually were awarded and are actually implemented that just had some basic information about each of them, including when it had to be finished. And it was just for me to keep a handle on all of these things. And plus, it looked impressive when people would walk into my office, They're like, right? how do you do it? I'm like, I work really hard. <laughs> really, really hard. But it's just, and let me tell you, because now I work from home, and I also work from the road, uh-huh. I don't have that in front of me. And yes, I it's have everything written down, but not having it stare at you in the face every time you look up and walk past that board... 
I miss that. And let me tell you, there have been some issues by not having that because I've come close to some things that before, if I had known, oh, wait, yeah, that's coming up on Friday. I, I got to work on that. Or it's like when it's in your phone, if you don't look at it purposely, true that it's easy to miss. So um, I, I will, I'm a big proponent of visual. the whiteboard. The visual. Having the visual. Yes. I was, it, it made me uh, think I have, uh, I'm a senior consultant with a firm out of Kansas City and it's a it's a big firm, lots and lots of projects, and they actually have detailed reports that they send out to project leaders. And I know exactly where to access that in Dropbox, and I do that. Uh-huh. But I also printed one out, and I have a clipboard that I hung on the wall above my <laughs> hey. desk. With what do you call those things? Those little the 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 little hangers that are command strips. Yes, yes, girl, command <laughs> strips, and it is command stripped to my wall, and. It's not the only tool I use, but it is a sort of a layer, which makes me also think of the way I use calendars to mm-hmm. do this. Um, I'm a big proponent of Google Calendar just because I've worked in it for so long and it's something that I've, I'm comfortable with. I've used Outlook calendars before, depending on where I've worked. But what I have found is for me, I need to have Google Calendar and then I might need to have a little planner where I transfer. So I'm I'm basically doing double entry and I realize that that sounds like a lot of work, but for me, what it is, is the comfort of knowing I've got it here, but when I'm working from home, I also have that visual of that. So you're talking like old school planner. Oh yeah. You write in. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, because I mean, there are some people that live and die by their Franklin Covey calendars. Let me tell you. The eighties called and they want their calendars (laughs) back y'all. They called you. What are you going to do about that? I use a passion planner. Mm-hmm. It's a, they have a social entrepreneur quality to the what they do. And it's not, my Google Calendar is probably the most current and up to date, but for long range planning and that looking helps. at a month at a time, I have just found that having that double entry as the more I travel, uh, the more comfortable I am that it exists in two different places. Uh, no judgment. As uh, I think, she's judging is, me. Y'all. Not no, not at all. Because I straight think straight up judgment. No judgment. Because I think the trick is you need to figure out what works for yep. you and do it. And yep. trust me, I'm old school. So if I if I could find a calendar, my thing about paper is I'd want it with me all the time. Exactly. And I've yet to find a calendar that's light enough for me to keep with me, but also big enough for me to write more than two words on the little square. Right. So. Um, it's, it's the struggle is real, y'all. So I, don't, real. I haven't found the right calendar that fits in my purse along with my Kindle and wallet and everything else a girl has to carry these days. And so. speaking of things that won't fit in your purse, <laughs> an Excel spreadsheet is probably no. not going to do it. But I know a lot of folks that I work with track their personal time and do things that way. So again, just finding what you, and it's sad to say that Excel is pretty old school, you know, not sad, but just time passes. Time well, and passes. it just comes with every computer. Yep. I mean, well, with the Microsoft package. So it's not like a separate thing you have to go out and buy. So, yeah. Um, I think then the kind of the last thing to talk about is uh, for old school work is just setting the stage for your space and where you do the work. Um, and obviously in today's day and age, you really can work anywhere on it's the seat that. of a plane, uh, in a hotel room, um, uh, on a moving bus. I mean, you can, there's lots of ways that you can send email and work on things and do stuff. But I think as far as the grant world goes to really be productive and to really be able to write thoughtfully, mm. you probably need to have that working space that has you a little room to maneuver. Cause if you're like me, you know, 
I, I'll have, you know, the RFP sitting on my desk and I may have notes from other things and, you know, emails that have data and I've got all this stuff, so room to work. Um, and then again, just sound quality, I think is a big mm-hmm. thing. And I don't mean for recording. I mean for w- what works for you. I know, Kimberly, you prefer to work in silence. Although sometimes when I get crazy, I bust out Renaissance lute music. It's a YouTube. <laughs> th- I know, judge away, but it's there's, it's plinky. It's in the background. It's there, but not in my face. There are no words for me to listen to. Yeah, that works. And I just, I can turn the radio on top 40 and I'm good to and go. Good so, to go. um, but uh, anyway, so just to think about that as far as the, you know, that's, you don't, you don't have to have a standing desk, but if that makes you comfortable, then get yourself a standing desk. You I have one. To, it's pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah, so make yourself comfortable. So not a limitless list here, but certainly some of our fave tech, non-tech really. <laughs> or low tech or no tech can sometimes be the way to go or you can supplement it. Or um, I think Amanda, as she will share with you, is living proof that you don't have to have all the new things to uh, make things work. Yep, I agree. Um, you'll certainly get too big, uh, potentially. So you may not always be able to be low tech, but I managed to keep up with more than 40 grant proposals Go, not proposals, 40 grants that we were implementing mm-hmm. from the grant management side. Now, trust me, I wasn't doing it all alone, but I was able to manage it from a grant perspective as well as continue to write grants with just um, all of these old school methods. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. have um, any sort of special tech. Now, there is some great tech out there that Absolutely. we love. And uh, trust me, if I'd had it, I would have been using it. But don't feel like if you're a small nonprofit and don't have tons of money, don't feel like without a grant management software that you're going to get nowhere. Trust me. Post-its, whiteboards, <laughs> Excel, they work, y'all. Mm, Sharpies and highlighters. Listen, oh. if you have a favorite old school method for managing grants, writing grants, or any other aspect of the grant process, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. Thank you again to our Season 2 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, www.dhleonardconsulting.com, to learn more. I just want you to remember, there's no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising, but there are a lot of good people with experience to share, training programs, and other ways to learn. We would love for this podcast to be one of your favorite ways to learn. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of this season. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.